0: Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a podcast from therapists for clients about the healing journey. We hope this will be a resource of encouragement, comfort, insight, and understanding for you along this courageous process. Welcome back to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. It's Jen and I today, and we're actually in the studio. The real one. The real one.
1: Not the fake one, not the office, not the closet.
0: Not the kitchen nook. <laughs>
1: the real one.
0: The real one. We are here. And it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm just very to, excited.
1: To kind of set the stage for you guys, um, if you've been listening over the last few weeks, months, a while, <laughs> we have been working really hard towards getting to the place of having our own studio in our um, office space and all of the equipment that we need to provide the best top quality recording and we're here in these like nice gray cushy chairs Mm -hmm. we've got our legitimate mics and um yeah just all of the technology that we need so hopefully this sounds good and we'll be supportive in us continuing to bring content and get more material out there
0: yes and we are in the process of bringing on a producer yeah jamie (laughs) she smiles
1: (laughs) she's near us she's (laughs)
0: She's watching while listening or something like that, <laughs> the glance. Um, so today we're going to kind of pick back up where we left off last week um, or last episode talking about um, RUAC, recognize, understand, attune, and co-regulate. Um, before we do that, though, we wanted to talk a little bit about retreats, which are something that we've just trained um, a Basically our entire staff on uh, our model of doing retreats, which um, includes the um, somatic integration and processing, which is a way of our way of conceptualizing or or thinking about uh, somebody's case or somebody's uh, presenting issue, and that uh, can be then incorporated into an entire treatment plan. Mm -hmm. So at a retreat would look like you coming to here to Springfield, uh, to one of our retreat um, centers, which we have one in town uh, and one out at uh, a farm where equine uh, therapy is provided, which is really exciting. Um, But from there, you'll get access to all kinds of different resources for anywhere between like a single day to up to five days. Um, where you can have uh, the choice of different types of therapy and your primary therapist will be the one that's kind of coordinating those services and talking with you about um, what might be best for the things you're wanting to work on and how to uh, best facilitate that with things like art therapy, equine therapy, massage therapy, yoga therapy, and then our EMDR therapy, which is kind of what is the main piece of the whole thing, is a type of therapy that's for um, kind of reprocessing memory and is uh, typically used in trauma treatment. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about all of those things. But um, if you're interested in even just kind of learning about uh, learning a little bit more about retreats, um, you can email us at retreats at com and it or maybe not at what therapy. Is it? Oh, therapy. That's
1: right. That's right. Yeah
0: um therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com and then um Brooklyn who is our retreat coordinator will um reach out to you and uh you can have a discussion about kind of what you're going through and what you're thinking for uh yourself or or someone else um in kind of organizing one of those retreats.
1: Yeah. So if you listen to the podcast and just really wonder like, man, where can I do my own work as we're talking about all of these things? And sometimes regular therapy feels difficult to fit into your schedule or Uh, Maybe you need support faster and not a drawn out process retreats are a great way to dive in deep and do a lot of work in a short period of time and really get to experience healing in a holistic form. So we hope to hear from you if you're interested or maybe you know of somebody who would be a good fit for that type of treatment. Um, Yeah, just have them reach out to us and we'll try to find a way to support you.
0: Definitely. So recognize, understand, attune and co-regulate. Here we go. Here we go. Last episode, we kind of did an overview of the uh, the acronym as a whole and kind of what it's like to um, experience uh, or, or to, to utilize that framework in experiencing uh, various interactions, even with yourself, but also with others, and how to be intentional with what um, is kind of coming up for you in those moments of experience. And so today, and then the next few episodes, we're going to go in on... Uh, a little bit deeper on each of the, uh, the words, each of mm-hmm. the pieces of the acronym. And today's episode is focused on recognize.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, um, recognize means a lot. Right? Yes. It's not just in seeing it, detecting it, but we want to really go in depth of what does it mean as you first come into relationship or connection with a person. And we're looking towards how do we inform our interaction uh, with this person from a trauma-informed perspective mm-hmm. and so first we have to be able to even recognize what does dysregulation look like yeah how do we know when something's coming up or when something's going on with the other person or with ourselves yeah so that's going to be a theme as we talk about in the next few episodes each one of these um, components we want to constantly be evaluating the the other as well as the self. So we're recognizing Mm -hmm. what does activation look like? How's it showing up in the other person? But if it happens within us, we have to be noticing our own system and our own body to say, oh, I actually feel kind Mm -hmm. of activated right Mm -hmm. now, or I don't feel okay right now.
0: Yeah. I I like how you're talking about recognizing in the body
2: Mm -hmm.
0: because that so much is, um, I was just talking about this with a, with a couple last night. Um, the recognizing can be one of the hardest things to do because you get so caught up in the activation. Mm -hmm. So you'll find yourself just reacting and not necessarily having even the ability to take the time to look inward and say, whoa, what's going on? Why am I reacting the way that I am? Or why am I so affected by this other person in the way that they're reacting? Mm -hmm. Um, Recognize is not just uh, an intellectual or like a thinking um experience you're not just thinking about your thoughts you're looking inward at your even something like your heart rate yeah. or how tense your muscles feel or how um like quick uh your breath is or, or are you sweating like you're you're learning to recognize even just your bodily processes and how that might be influencing the way that you're showing up in that conversation mm-hmm.
1: and, and the same for other people um it's not always that in, an, in a conversation, someone's going to come up and say, I just want you to know I'm feeling really anxious about talking about this right now. And so please just be aware of that. No, they're going to try to like swallow that down, <clears> yeah. show up with confidence or, you know, however in will. the way they're speaking. And so to be able to detect and recognize, oh, like something feels kind of tense in this yeah. or they're talking really, really fast and not taking any breaths mm. at all. Maybe something's going on there or normally they're kind of relaxed, but it feels different this mm-hmm. time. So just staying really in tune and noticing those cues from other people as well as ourselves. And as we've been giving these examples, you're probably noticing it's not the words, right? right? There's so much beyond the words of what someone is saying. Mm-hmm. Someone may be telling you a story of one thing, but there's so much more that's being expressed in their body language, in their posture, um, in the pace of speech, and and the list goes on and on, but all the things that go beyond just their verbal expression of what's happening.
0: Right, and so the story, or like what the person is saying is important, but that is being shaped by that activation that's being in the body. So the way the story is coming across, even uh, some of the things that the story is focused on, is a result in that person of that uh subverbal kind of body-based activation that's yeah. coming up
1: yes so, so i'm just kind of like trying to think through like examples of this or how how does this show up there's so many examples in the therapy setting of how we use this like yeah. constantly but in just normal interactions is not you have any examples coming to mind of normal relational interactions where it feels like you feel tuned in to kind of what those activation patterns or signs are outside of story.
0: Well, yeah. Um, For me, like just instances from my own life, uh, anytime like a loud noise enters the room that I'm in that I'm not expecting, that is going to shape (laughs) how my body feels for the next couple of minutes at least. Um, Because for me, sound is a very sensitive um, kind of experience. And especially when it's really sharp and loud and unexpected, my body has like a reaction to it. Mm -hmm. And that's not just in the moment of hearing or experiencing the sound. That's kind of then thereafter, I have to actually like think about letting go of the activation that's in my body um, in response or in interaction. Um, Perfect example is... Oh, doing the dishes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love doing the dishes, yeah, but I also hate it, and especially if Olivia, my partner is trying to talk to me while I'm doing the dishes, it just gets it gets activating really quick mm-hmm. because I'm not I'm trying to listen, but I'm also not able to continue doing the dishes the way that I need to, and so I'm not paying attention, and so a loud noise like a plate will fall or I'll drop a cup
2: mm-hmm. because
0: of the soap. And I'm not paying attention. And then that just like snaps and I get kind of activated and I don't mean to. And so for me, I'll drop a cup and I'll say, I'm sorry, <laughs> like to Olivia, okay. that I dropped the cup and she's like, it's fine. Why, like, why, why are pod. you sorry? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm actually saying sorry, like for the effect that it's having on me as well as what I'm getting ready to do mm-hmm, in a second, mm-hmm. um, because I am activated. Um, but it's anything like that. I mean, and that can also be the way a person, uh, interacts with you that might cause you to start feeling this activation in your body that if we learn to tune into it, which is this whole kind of point of recognize, we can actually start to watch how certain scenarios might cause a different sort of feeling or experience in our bodies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. i am just kind of thinking to myself of, how do I know like what are the first things I check when I'm trying to recognize within myself if I'm okay or or how comfortable I feel in a setting and I usually first look at like how are my feet positioned if they have shoes on them I'm not fully comfortable yet right Mm -hmm. if you see me kick off my shoes I'm like getting a lot more comfortable if my legs are curled up kind of beside me like or if they're out in front of me crossed there's just a lot of like posture things of how my mm. legs and feet are and then too am I fidgeting with something in my hands am I twisting or ripping or yeah. playing with curling something? a piece of paper yes and then noticing my breath is another big one how deep do mm. I feel like I'm capable of breathing right mm-hmm. now um, and if it feels kind of shallow then I have to notice like that's my body sending me a message that I don't feel fully myself and at ease and relaxed yet yeah and i think being able to notice some of those personal signs of when does my body show me that i don't feel adjusted or safe or fully connected or content yet and getting familiar with those signs so when we notice them for instance when my breath starts to get kind of short yeah then it's like okay what's going on here and then we can move through that process as we're going to talk later of what do we do once we recognize it
0: right Right. So it's, it's any, any of those things are the rate of breathing, the fidgeting or picking, um, even like how your mouth feels, is your mouth dry? Um, are you salivating more than you, than you're used to? Is your voice kind of quivering? Um, is the rate of speech faster and more sort of like loud than you're used to being? Um, and if the flow of conversation changes as well, um, but that's all, uh, for yourself and then for the other person as well. So you're not just paying attention to the other person and saying, you're activated because I can see this, 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 and this. But you're also looking inward to say, I'm activated, clearly. Mm -hmm. And is this something that I feel like I'm I'm activated for a reason, such as I need to, you know, I'm kind of under attack here or under stress from this other person. And I need to kind of get my point across because I don't feel safe. Or is it something coming up from the past of yeah, my reaction to this right now does not match
2: mm-hmm. the
0: actual situation that I'm in. Um, and so I want to start to pay attention to that.
1: And maybe it's the situation I'm in or what I would typically, how I, how would I normally respond? Um, being able, as if whether it's a friend, family, partner, as you get more and more familiar and you start to recognize patterns, not even super consciously, but your body right. gets familiar with other people's patterns, when it changes, that can maybe be more indicative of something Um, rather than interpreting, well, what is that? Oh, the fact that she's fidgeting with paper. That's what I do all the time. What does that mean about her? It's more of the times when you notice she normally would do that, but she's not now. An example of this is we're getting ready for a trip this weekend. And um, typically when we're preparing for a trip, I get very you know, wound up (laughs) lists, lots of lists and checklists. And I'm preparing and organizing things and trying to keep everything cleaned up. And I have all of my groceries ordered and planned. And that seems as though that would be a very like anxious state. But Ryan last night was like, you are really mellow about this. Like there, I haven't seen any lists yet. Nobody's packed. We're leaving tomorrow. You know, I want, how are you doing? That's not how he would expect Mm. me to. And it looked like it was more calm, but it wasn't, mm. right? And I'm, I'm more overwhelmed, and that's just kind of shut down mode of it rather yeah. than going into the normal pattern. Yeah. And so noticing when do these patterns shift may be more indicative for somebody than trying to interpret what does it mean, the fact that they're doing such and such, what does that mean? Instead noticing, hey, I would have expected this, but that's not what I'm seeing.
0: Mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when those shifts happen, um, I, I really like that Ryan didn't kind of jump into accusing or jump into sort of no feeling like he knew the story and so mm-hmm. he was trying to like change you or get you to respond in a certain way. He was just being curious. Yeah. And that to me is really why we've separated out recognize, understand, attune and co regulate, because it needs to each piece needs to have its time mm-hmm. and recognizing um it, it can be taken for granted. And when we take it for granted, it jumps into this place of we don't really know what's going on in our body. We're just reacting to a shift. And that can really lead us into a place where we either hurt ourselves or others or both. Because we're just reacting to a feeling in our body instead of being curious about it and saying, Man, right now I can just tell my body is activated. And that, I mean, as, I don't know if that sounds silly to you as the listener, but that to me, like with Olivia, that's how we, that's how we talk all the time of, I'm just feeling something right now and I need a second to like figure it out. Um, or can we, I, I'm, I'm definitely feeling something and I'm fine with us continuing to talk, but I want us to be curious about that together mm-hmm. of what that feeling is actually trying to communicate because it is all feelings in the body. You know, the body is telling a story all the time. Yeah before our conscious mind or our narrating self is even able to catch up. Mm -hmm. There's already a million stories before there's one story. Um, So in that being able to just make space for it, just give time to the recognizing process and say, I'm just going to tap into the story that my body's telling right now. I have no uh, kind of expectation yet of making meaning of it. Yeah. Just 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 take an inventory
1: down, slowing down that process and knowing that, nothing catastrophic is going to happen in the next couple of minutes while you just say, let me just pause and notice the other person tune into what's going on or notice the self and just Mm -hmm. ask, I just need to take a few minutes just to notice Mm -hmm. nothing awful is going to happen in those moments, even though our body is probably in a a threat detection and saying, take action, take action, take action (laughs) Yes, to instead say, let's just pause and sit in this for a minute.
0: Yeah. Um, this is not always something that feels safe. Um, being seen like this and being, even for ourselves of, of trying to communicate from this place doesn't, uh, might not feel safe to everybody. And that may not look like I'm terrified or I'm fearful or I'm angry, but it may just be like, I'm uncomfortable. And actually, Jen, like your and I relationship mm-hmm. comes to my mind <laughs> um, when we start talking about uh-huh. this, because there were times, especially early on where you would say, like, Bridger, like, stop. You okay? <laughs> because, like, <laughs> I would ask, Jen, what's yeah. up? And you're just yeah, like, oh, you you're not it. supposed to see that.
2: You're okay. Stop
0: it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it, learning someone else's sort of activation patterns, you can start to even become aware of when they are clearly activated or mm-hmm. they're conscious of something or they're kind of preoccupied with something that's, um, that that's kind of, being taken on by them without them actually telling other people that it's happening. And that's where I would, I was still learning Jen's kind of patterns and I would just kind of ask how she was doing mm-hmm. and that would be met with surprise because at least in the you beginning.
1: Would always ask it at a point where it had, there, I was feeling something. You wouldn't ask it on a time. I'm just totally fine. Right. Right. You would always <laughs> ask it and it'd be like, no, he's only asking that because he can see it, but most people can't. Right. So. Right. Yeah, it was. It would be very surprising, and activating at first until I developed that safety and trust of like, okay, he's seeing this, but there's he's not going to like do anything hurtful to me with that information,
0: mm-hmm. or yeah, point it out to anybody else right. or to yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where we have to really recognize that. Recognize. <laughs> <laughs> be aware of the impact that that can have on a person and how exposing it can feel Yeah. because our systems are created to have these beautiful and gentle like little walls that we create that say, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm going to protect all of my really vulnerable parts of myself and I'm only going to show the parts that feel safe enough for you to be exposed to. So when you get a glimpse of something a bit more personal about someone and let them know you got that glimpse it can feel somewhat unsafe or threatening. But it can also have the opposite effect and you can feel seen.
0: Yeah, and invited to connect.
1: Yes, yes. Yes. So it can have kind of a spectrum of impact and so being cautious and just kind of aware as you're approaching somebody with this and also same for as you're beginning to recognize and notice yourself. Mm. Taking that time to say, okay, I'm getting ready to head into work. What if I took five minutes to just sit with myself and notice how am I feeling about going to work right now? Right. It could be very revealing and it could feel supportive and it could feel overwhelming.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And this is, this leads into, um, all of the other kind of steps of, or, or pieces of this acronym. Um, and it's the foundational one, which is why we're kind of devoting this first episode to it because it gives way to the posture that, um, allows for us to make meaning of our feelings and to actually incorporate that into the uh, relationship or into our relationship with ourselves. If we're not mm-hmm. recognizing, like if we don't know what all of the activations kind of are going or going on in our body, then again, we're back into that recognize or that uh, reaction place Yeah. instead of actually saying, no, I have clarity now mm-hmm. because I've taken the time I've made space or I am in a relationship where I have the space to Uh, just sit with a feeling or a series of feelings Mm -hmm. and just notice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that experience of slowing that down and doing that sets up such a beautiful foundation in a relationship Mm -hmm. to be able to safely explore from there, what's going on. Mm -hmm. If we jump in with defenses or we jump in with accusations or interpretations or assumptions, we run the great risk of hurting the other person and being wrong in that, creating more, you know, destruction and pain. But if we just say, Let me just notice and maybe if it's safe enough, put words to what I'm observing. Yes. And then just let that sit. Mm-hmm. And if they it's I think you mentioned it just a moment ago, an invitation. Yes. And that if they then refuse it, so in those moments you'd be like, Hey Jen, what's going on? Yeah. And if I say, oh, I think I'm fine, mm-hmm. I'm fine, I'm fine, then you're like, okay, invitation declined. Yep, yep. We'll try Rejected. it in another day. <laughs> <laughs> but if I said, oh, why, why are you asking, Bridger? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you just made the face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then there's this. Maybe I'm open to exploring that, and we can yeah. kind of talk back and forth. Well, I noticed you were doing this when you normally wouldn't. or mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. This expression or this distance between yourself and, and the situation or, or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, it recognizing is, a it's a muscle and <laughs> we have to learn to, you know, it's a process of focusing our attention, which we'll kind of get to, um, in the, in the latter part of this episode, but it is a process, you know, it's not just something that after hearing this, you're going to just be able to go, uh, start recognizing all of the feelings, you know, it, we've been trained a lot of us to not focus on these things because, um, the environment that we grew up in, um, if we were recognizing how we were actually feeling all the time, we would have been discontent or felt like we would have gotten in trouble or it just wasn't a space that was clearly, um, accepting or affirming or validating of, uh, us making meaning of our own feelings, Mm -hmm. just recognizing what they were. So some of us, you know, if I were to ask you, you know, when or where are you mad or are you sad or are you, um, anxious or are, you know, whatever the, the feeling is that we're going to focus on. I start this way with my clients as well of, you know, what was it, what feeling was not okay to have growing up? Mm -hmm. That's an easy way into this kind of conversation because that elicits a visceral response in the body of, Oh, anxious my mom would not have been okay with me being anxious. Mm-hmm. I needed to know what I was doing, I needed to have confidence, and I needed to be deliberate about it. Um, I've told this story before, but my mom did not like for me to um, speak unless I knew what I was gonna say. Hmm. And so if I were to show hesitancy or even confusion or even uh, just needing to take time, um, I should not be speaking during that process. You should wait to talk until you know what you're going to say. And that for me is something that I just learned over time, not noticing that every time I talk and every time I'm not talking, there's like this anxious kind of feeling in me of saying, I should know what I want to say before I start yeah. talking yeah. and oh, catch a word before you say it. Don't, don't stumble.
1: Mm-hmm. Don't have to like pause and like, try to figure it out with somebody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I have to always know before I say it.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for the listener, just kind of taking inventory of what feelings, uh, perhaps in your body, if you, and one, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, of like, I don't even know when my body feels what, Mm -hmm. like, or my body feels anything. Um, that is an indicator of kind of a long life up to this point where the messages that your body was sending were, were labeled internally as not important. Mm -hmm. Like it's just my body. This not is what it
1: acceptable, is. Acceptable acceptable, not safe. Right.
0: So just tune it out yeah. is what the, the body or the brain learns to do to the cues of the body because I can't give attention to my body. So as we start this process of healing and we're really starting to pay attention, it's going to take some time to learn the language. Yeah. Man, yeah, my tummy is always anxious at mm-hmm. this time or in this way or right before work or whatever. Why is my tummy so uh, unsettled? Mm-hmm. Just learning what that cue means takes time.
1: Yeah. You know, it's making me think of we have um, an interaction my mom and I had recently where one of my cousins is very ill with COVID right now and in the hospital and we were all kind of grieving what she's going through and the realization that she may or may not make it. And we had learned this news um, while my mom was at my house. And so her and I were both just grieving and a lot of tears and sorrow. And my kids came in and just, you know, of course, immediately wide eyes looked at us, tuning in like, what's going on? Mom's crying, Nana's crying. And my mom quickly wiped her tears. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I I, I shouldn't do this in front of the kids. Mm. And bottled it all up. And it was a very familiar presentation of hers. Like it felt so familiar to me of that wasn't odd at all. But then I noticed my kids of like, I kept crying and they came in to like hold me and hug me Mm -hmm. and mom, I love you and just like offer connection in that. And I noticed how quickly she was not okay with affect and expression of any type of that vulnerable emotion and just kind of reflecting back on noticing that shift in her and how did that develop in me growing up Mm -hmm. I don't cry easily when I do it's a very similar like hold it in until you just can't hold it in anymore right and then apologize to those around you for how it might be burdening them because you are having this emotional experience and so just to kind of like see that in her and notice and then say get to express to her hey it's a this is a really appropriate time to cry yeah like this is a really like essential time for us to grieve this together and to let the kids be a part of that.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And in that, I mean, it's helping them all like that whole room of people yourself included learn what um a response to an event is. Yeah. Like why does somebody cry? Like how should we feel about somebody passing away? Mm-hmm. Well, if it's for that for your mom of how that was, I guess the message is well, around certain people, you can show how you feel, yeah. But when other people are in the room, you cannot.
1: That was one hundred percent the message of our home, yeah, and not with bad intention. No, of like that's how you stay safe and how you keep other people comfortable.
0: Exactly, where it's it's about inclusion and about vulnerability with each other, mm-hmm. the very close family. But the second anybody else outside of that comes in, not okay. We need a different version of how to respond to this. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Oh, it's hard. It's you hard, know. but we're getting through we're it. We're getting through it exactly. That's the story on the outside, mm-hmm. but on the inside, it's despair, mm-hmm. grief, sadness, yeah. loss,
1: and that—that that is really only to be experienced alone or with one really safe person. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And sometimes those—or did you have it? Well, a, I was just point?
1: gonna, just kind of encouraging to like as you're talking about recognizing, start exploring the patterns of your family. Yeah. Start asking yourself those messages because it informs so much. Everything you just described, Bridger, is like uh, to a T what it it was like, but I've never really thought about it in that way until sharing the story and having you reflect and just that like, yeah, it is, we're super tight-knit, close family. You can experience sometimes like those big emotions together, only if they're really, really necessary. Yes. But you definitely would not experience that with anybody outside of that. Unless yes. It was always already a composed story of like, you know, like we said, it's hard, but we're pulling through it. We'll make it through it together. Like yeah. Kind of these cleaned up messages. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I, there's two pieces of that. The first is, you know, it's leading so naturally into the understanding, the second mm-hmm. word. Um, which we'll get to in our next episode. And that's the understanding for the listener is that part that Jen was just doing on her own of I recognize a series of experiences that I've had in my family all throughout my life that now I'm making new meaning of. Yeah, Like I can see, oh dang, yeah, this was about us not feeling like we can be honest with other people about how we're actually feeling or what we're going through or how struggle-filled our life is at this moment. Um, and that can be for a series of other reasons, but by just sitting and circling back to the recognizing the feeling, we can see so much of what was deemed appropriate or not appropriate, yeah. which then shaped our personality over time, shaped ourself over time. Um, sometimes that's possible; we can just like put it all away, you know, for whatever reason. Your mom in that moment was able to say, "I'm sorry," and like put away the tears.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Sometimes that's not possible, and we get into this place where we're now kind of breaking down what our body feels capable of doing in masking a feeling. Yeah. Um, and that can look like either that big activation of anger or mo- mobilization or kind of getting out this big activation. But then it can also look like going internally and shutting down. And that uh, concept that we've talked that we talk about called the window of tolerance. Yeah. And when we get outside of the window of tolerance, that's when we're getting into the hyperactivation, so that, that anger, that bursting out the top and, and finding yourself mobilized like a ton of energy in your body and it's getting out and your pace is quickened of your speech and your heart rate's up and you're arguing or you're, you're storming out or whatever you're doing. But then there's that hypo arousal as well where you're shutting down. You're starting to get that like glazed over look of I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm a million miles away, but I'm right here.
1: My body's frozen and paralyzed. Paralyzed. Mm
0: -hmm. Paralyzed with just full of fear. Mm -hmm. And that's where recognizing, you know, we want to we want to be able to track where that progression starts and leads. Um, you know, the the goal isn't necessarily to avoid overwhelming feeling. We're humans. We can't do that. We live in a world where we get activated and either shoot through the top of the, the window of tolerance or plummet through the bottom. The goal is to learn what sends us in which direction and how do we handle it when that happens? Do we feel open to connection? Who do we feel open to connection with? Does the connection help us stay in that window of tolerance? And can we, over time, through this recognizing process, begin to broaden our window of tolerance?
1: And the goal is not to just be um, only able to experience a small window of activation or affect, it's to have a beautiful variety that Mm -hmm. we can kind of, you know, move through up and down and through that. Tons
0: of flexibility.
1: Yes. And that when that over or under activation occurs... That as we become aware of it, we know how to bring ourselves safely back into that window. And you mentioned maybe that's seeking connection. Right. Maybe it's through connection that offers that window. Or maybe it's when someone offers connection, we shoot right out the top yeah. and we become overly activated. <clears throat> but helping to detect how do we find safe, a safe method mm-hmm. with safe people to come back into that window of activation, kind of rising and falling
0: yes um and in a room like with a with a person you can start to feel when their body is starting to reach either that hyper arousal going towards the top of the window and getting too much activation before they plummet to the bottom like you can feel that with somebody else Um, for me i have one of the like most vivid memories of my mom teaching me how to drive and this is you know i'm 13 or 14 years old um just on the back roads of like mm-hmm. uh, we lived kind of out in the country and i was so nervous but i could not you can't say that you're nervous um and that's not going to be met with any like oh no it's okay like you're just learning there's like this hyper expectation uh-huh. that it was going to be i was not going to put us in danger i was not going to do something wrong at
1: 13 at 13 years old <laughs>
0: yeah And, you know, it just is what it is. Like I I needed to learn to drive at that age because of the things that we were doing. But there's, I just have this strong memory, this such vivid memory in my mind of no words are being said, but I can feel Mm -hmm. the activation. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I'm under a microscope. And my body is rigid and my, I'm like sweating and my eyes are darting and I'm just like trying to like pay attention and, and not do anything wrong. My hands, like I'm so conscious of where they are in the steering yeah. wheel and I'm trying to, to do it right, but so curious, like I wouldn't dare look over at my mom, but I know that she's staring at me and doing exactly like looking at all of the things that I'm doing. Um, but that's where y- your body will know.
2: Yeah
0: what feelings are in the room or what what actual activation patterns are going on and you're being intersected by Mm -hmm. um without you even having to say any words at all yeah to what's happening
1: so it wasn't in that that mom didn't explicitly communicate to you "You better be perfect at this or else but you're feeling her tension and and hyper focus on it and then you're experiencing that as well your body was picking up on it
0: Absolutely. Yeah. All of my experiences of my mom teach me to drive. There was very little verbal communication. It was just like, <laughs> the, the
1: like invisible break. Yeah, exactly.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the, like, she would start like put her hand over <laughs> like onto my arm or something like that. Um, and that's, That's her way of like, she's wanting to teach and wanting me to get it and not wanting to get in the way, but she's clearly very uncomfortable.
1: So as a mom who's taught a driver, oh my gosh, I hated when my mom would push the fake brake and then then I felt myself doing it. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm scarring my child. Yeah.
0: What's that like?
1: Oh, it was... To
0: be able to see that you're doing the same (laughs) things.
1: Oops facial reaction. No, it is, uh, it was mixed. I had a new level of understanding and empathy for my mom, mm. but also a level of self-criticism. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you're that mom. You're
2: yeah. that mom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I just spoke to it with her. You're probably seeing me stressed out right now. This is scary. It's yeah. scary to teach you how to drive.
0: Mm. So... For this window of tolerance, can be really helpful in understanding, like, just as a template of how to notice where your body is at, learning to recognize. And in overactivation and the sort of that plumbing through the bottom, um, we want to be able to know what to do with that information. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're still not even into the understanding of, like, why is it happening? does not matter at this point. Just noticing what is going on yeah. is such a, such a central piece because your body's always picking up on things. And that, uh, learning what to do when you recognize your overactivation that is so, so important. Um, in that moment, it could be because of anything, uh, but learning to be able to monitor your breath, um, find a place that, um, do you need to leave the room right now? Do you need to um, sit down? Do you need to change the way that your body is in the room right now? Um, what, what do you need in order to be able to recognize how you're feeling? Is your breath, you know, do you need a drink of water? Um, do you want to sit down? Do you need somebody closer to you farther away? Like learning what, um, your body needs in order to soothe yourself enough to identify what the feeling actually Mm -hmm. is. Because when we're outside that window of tolerance, we're not able to really even pay attention to what we're feeling. Yeah. Which is activated.
1: And that can be a similar invitation you offer to someone you're seeing oh have a huge activation, be outside of their window of tolerance. If it's not well, I can see you're clearly upset right now. Why don't you do this? But a mm. hey, I it seems like something might be going on. What do you need right now? Right. Or would it be okay to just like take a pause for a minute or Mm. it seems like you might be you know upset or we would use words like activated but if that doesn't feel natural in your language um yeah it seems like this is a lot for you to process right now or a Mm. lot for you to talk about or maybe you're not ready to talk about this do we want to just take some time what do you need to feel safe yeah what could i offer you Mm. just gentle invitations and then the The biggest word is just curiosity. Just stay curious. Don't make assumptions. Don't presume that you know something and inform them about their own system or your own, but just stay curious and ask very gentle, inviting questions.
0: Yes. Activation, again, exists not just in that uh, explosive outward Um, sort of activation, but also inward into that uh, shutdown place. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about dissociation before on the podcast, but that's where dissociation comes in. Mm -hmm. That's where our body starts to, uh, because of how filled with fear it actually is, it goes inward and begins to uh, shut down and, and keep us in this place of I'm here, but I'm not really, really here. Um, and dissociation is not like an on off switch. Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, I'm dissociated right now or I'm not dissociated right now. It's a spectrum. And so learning to recognize where I'm at on that spectrum and for what reason, like what did I experience that started to push me into dissociation? That is such a, such a way of honoring the body's process and learning to, uh, you know, kind of be proactive and identifying, you know, I actually, I don't like it when this happens Mm -hmm. and it sends me into a dissociative place. And the other side of I don't like this other thing because it sends me into this hyperactivation or this this, uh, sympathetic kind of charge to my body.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's all types of strategies that we would use in a therapy session Mm -hmm. to talk about and explore and help regulate dissociation. But I think in just the normal day-to-day life experiences, again, similar, recognizing it, noticing when am I... When am I leaving the present moment and kind mm-hmm. of drifting into my own mind or inward in some way? Um, and what do I need right now to feel safe again? Yeah. Or is staying in this distant place the safest place for me, right? Now? Right. Maybe there's something in my environment that I can't tolerate to be a part of. Mm. So I drift away in thought. And returning when I feel safe, and how do I bring my sense, myself, a sense of safety um, to be okay to tolerate that moment?
0: Yeah, and that I mean, it can be something as similar or as simple as um, learning to just feel the chair beneath you yeah. as you're sitting, or feel your feet in your shoes, mm-hmm. um, kind of move those around. When we direct our attention back to our body, um, that dissociation we can. If, especially if the safety is in the room or, or the threat is small enough, we can start to bring ourselves back into our body and into the room. But dissociation, just like any activation from the body is communication. It's our body telling us that I don't feel safe where I'm at right now. So I'm going to leave. And because I don't feel like I can physically leave, I'm going to just mentally leave.
1: Yeah. And it's not a bad thing. No, just I know we've talked about it before, but I can't not say it again. Yeah, Um, it is, it's just a beautiful strategy that our nervous system offers us to say, Mm. Hey, you're not okay, and you don't feel like you can leave, you can escape in this other way. Here's a backdoor escape route. Yes, here's how you leave this. And so, if this is something that is resonating with you, and you notice, like, wow, I kind of do that a lot, that feels familiar to me. When you notice it happening, ask yourself, do I feel safe enough to return or do I just need to stay here for just a minute? Mm. Do I need to just like ease back into that? We don't have to abruptly throw ourselves back into the present moment if it's not something that we feel okay with.
0: Right. And that's a great um, kind of strategy of identifying which path you usually take. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to this episode and you're kind of like, well... You know, I don't really identify with that, but other people have told me that I have an anger problem (laughs) or something like that. Or um, other people have told me that I'm anxious Uh or I feel like I can't do a lot of things that other people can do um, just in the way of going throughout my day um, or I'm always tired. Um, Whatever it might be that you feel like you're just noticing um, a recurring pattern, that is such a a cue from your body to tune in. And Mm -hmm. say, man, what is actually happening uh, in my body? In which direction am I going? Because that's communication. Your body's trying to tell you, hey, I don't feel safe. And yeah, of course I use this pattern over and over and over again uh, because that's all I know. Mm -hmm. And it's got us this far. Like I'm alive. Why would I not choose that strategy again?
1: Yep. It's effective.
0: Effective enough. Tell it's not. We're alive. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, just taking stock of like, is this, is this strategy serving me well anymore? Mm -hmm. Do I need this anymore?
1: And how can I offer my system enough safety in order to recognize that it doesn't have to be there all of the time? Right. If your system is still feeling threatened over and over and over again to that degree, it will employ its old strategies over and over and over again. Yeah.
0: If it's feeling like. Um, there's not enough what to do about this. That's, that's okay. That's why it's not just recognized. That's all we want you to do. Yeah. It's recognize, understand, attune and co-regulate. But we spend a whole episode on this because we really want to emphasize the importance of the story that's happening in the body and to learn just to start paying attention to that. We can't jump to what to do before we know what is actually happening. Yeah. Without that, we're going to, we're going to get it wrong. We might get it right on chance. But likely we're going to get it wrong and then we're going to start a new pattern of this other way of being that, again, isn't isn't actually addressing what's going on.
2: Right.
1: So if I could leave you all that are listening with just kind of a homework assignment or an encouragement of leaving this episode and kind of or even as you're listening to it and and for the rest of the afternoon, just try recognizing for yourself Don't, don't start out with for everybody else. That's safer, right? Like let's just notice (laughs) when they're activated. (laughs) Yeah. If you've already
0: sent this episode to somebody that (laughs) you're thinking of, that's okay, but do it for yourself too.
1: (laughs) So also just, yeah, pausing in and noticing yourself, seeing what it feels like to ask yourself those questions. What do I feel right now? Where do I feel in my body? Yeah. What's coming up for me? What's different in this moment? And as you get more and more curious and familiar with that, you'll naturally be able to start noticing and recognizing in other people Yeah. those things. And when it's a safe, trusted relationship, try, hey, I've noticed something. You Is it okay if I talk mm. to you about this? or? Yeah. I'm really curious about this. Can we explore that together? That's beautiful. See what that offers you and your relationships. Mm. Okay.
2: That's
0: beautiful.
1: Anything else you want to add before we wrap up today?
0: I don't think so. I think we wanted to talk about trainings.
1: Yeah. Well, if you're listening to all of this and are thinking, hey, this is great for me, but I would love to see this. You know, in my workplace or mm-hmm. in this group of people, um, any type of setting that you're thinking, if we could all just talk to each other like this, we might function a little bit better.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> might be
1: better off. We would love to talk to you more about that. Um, all of the content that we talk about on this podcast, we have more in-depth content in a training format. Yes. And it's called our Trauma-Informed Care Training And um, if it's something that you're interested in, what you're hearing, want to explore that more, we would love to share with you what that training is all about. It's a way that we can get in front of larger groups of people to talk about this and to begin to understand themselves, their nervous systems, and the people that they're offering care to in whatever, whatever setting that is. Um, we've done this for teachers. It could be medical professionals, um, just office settings. Yeah. Um, so anyone that you're looking at, how could we interact with each other and the people that we're serving with a more trauma informed perspective, um, and healthier relationship approach, then yeah. reach out, let us know at trainings at beyond and someone will get in touch with you and we can have a conversation more in depth of what this could look like for you and your setting. Absolutely. All right, guys. Safe journeys, everyone, and we'll talk to you again soon.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Trauma, a psychotherapy podcast from therapists for clients about the journey of trauma recovery. While resources like this can be helpful, they should never take the place of or be used as therapy. We encourage you to find a trauma-informed therapist in your area to be your guide in this healing journey. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and we would appreciate it if you could leave us a review. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at beyondtraumapodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in.